0: All right, uh, you probably had a chance to study the board. You can always take a picture of it later. Um, those in the back might have a hard time seeing it unless you're Peter. Then you probably don't have too much trouble seeing it. So I was thinking about it this week and, and what to share today and thought, okay, we're in the middle of Exodus. We had a sermon last night on Exodus. We began James last Friday, so, so we're in two different books of the Bible, and just three weeks ago, we had a men's meeting teaching that uh, I thought was pretty robust on acedia and magnanimity. And so, you know, it's just it gets to a point where we have waves of teaching that come and, and, and we don't get much time to really absorb it. And we need to have time to digest the food that we eat. You can't just keep eating and eating and eating and never have time to digest it. And so, what I want to do this morning is it's not really so much a teaching, it's really more of a review of who we are as TCF, but also how we sit amid the other churches, uh, LCF, ECF, and, and JCF, and then how, how our churches sit in the greater context of the city. And so a lot of you who have been uh, in TCF or in one of the CF churches for a long time, if you're old in CF years, I guess if you want to put it that way, um, a lot of this is not going to be new information, but it is a reminder. In 2 Peter 3, Peter says, I want to stir you up by way of reminder. And so that's what I want to do this morning is stir us up by way of reminder. But if you're new, if, if you've only been in the church for a couple years, some of this may be stuff that you, you didn't know and that would be good for you to know. Um, we, are, we are not a denomination. The Sea of Churches are not a denomination. We're, we are a network of churches who are united in Christ, and we're really only as strong together as our relationships. And so I want to, I want to start with Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And I want to emphasize verse 3 eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, the unity that we already have with the other churches. God's given us that unity, but we have to eagerly maintain it. So I want to start just, again, this is by way of review, but with LCF. So LCF. Um, in the early 70s, I think Billy has said 1974, and I remember that because that was the year I was born, but in 1974, he and a handful of others started studying the Bible on UK's campus, and after about six years, in 1980, they, they became the first CF church, Lexington Christian Fellowship, and Billy was the pastor. And the church has two ordained pastors, so Billy, who's been the pastor since 1980, and Bill Hughes. Uh, who came over a couple of years ago, but he was ordained in the United Methodist Church a long time ago. They're the two pastors. And then we have two elders in LCF, Tom Vogel, who was ordained, I think, in 2009, and Matt Henderson, who was ordained about a year ago as an elder. And then Kent Pittard, who's been the deacon since even before I was in the church. It a long time. I don't even know what year. He became a deacon. So they have five ordained ministers in LCF. And LCF has planted three churches in its life, JCF, TCF, and ECF. And so I want to talk a little bit about planning churches. And planning churches is an expression of our value of relationship and the emphasis that we put on relational discipleship. And and past a certain size, you begin to lose track of people in your church. And it's a lot easier for people to start moving toward the fringes of the church and nobody noticing. And then it's even easier for people to just leave the church altogether and, and hardly anybody has even noticed. And weeks go by where somebody maybe doesn't come on a Friday and, and you're like, whatever happened to so-and-so? Well, I, I don't know. I guess they've, maybe they've left. And that happens because the church begins to get too big. We want everyone to play a part. We want everyone to be the body of Christ together. And that necessitates staying under a certain size. And so when a church gets to about 120 members— That's when the church begins to pray in thinking about an eventual church plant. And Billy has said, and I asked him about it this week, he said that he thinks 150 is about the perfect size for a church. And maybe that number has changed over the years, but right now he says that 150 is about the perfect size for a church. It probably gives you enough people to where you have a number of ministers who can do things, but it's also not too big to where you begin to, to lose people. And this is one way that I think of it. Up to a certain size, I think a church is like a small town. And everybody knows everybody else. There's considerable neighborliness toward one another. You you watch each other's kids. You help with moves. You make meals for people when somebody's sick. And everybody kind of knows roughly what's going on in somebody's life. They know where the needs are and they know where help is needed. And you can trust people to be dependable. You know who the dependable people are, but you can also trust who isn't dependable. And you can trust that somebody is reliably going to be unreliable, but you can't do that past a certain size. You begin to lose track and you don't know. You don't know people as well. When, when like in a small town, you just, you come to be known and not everybody likes this. And so sometimes people will be around for a little bit and they find, you know what? I don't really like to be known on this level with people. This is too intimate. This is too close. And I would like to be more anonymous. And it would be easier for me to go and, and to not have people be so involved in my life. There's a, there was a country song a couple of years ago. I don't remember who wrote it, but it, it was called What Happens in a Small Town Stays in a Small Town. And it's, and it's true in a small church, too. You become known, and, and that knowledge you know, just just remains. People know who you are. But past a certain point of growth, what, what makes a small town great uh, is no longer possible. And what, what makes a, a, what we like, what we love about our church possible, we begin to lose past a certain size. And so instead of, say, Wilmore you get Nicholasville, and the dynamics in Nicholasville are a lot different than they are in Wilmore. And uh, so when there's been a leadership team in place to plant a church, LCF has moved in that direction, and LCF is looking to plant again at some point, probably in the next couple of years, but it doesn't seem like the leadership team is fully in place to be able to do that, but they're praying toward it. it. They have it in mind. They don't want to get past you know, they don't want to get too large to where they lose what makes the church great. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's, that's LCF. That's kind of been the mothership out of which the plants have come. So then in 2005, Jessamine Christian Fellowship was planted. It, was, it started in Kurt and Debbie Iden's basement, and Larry Williams was the pastor of the church. And the church had a a core of really faithful servants, people who really gave themselves to the church and trying to build relationship and grow together. But the church also experienced a lot of hardship over the years. Uh, They had just a lot of difficult things come into the life of the church. And in 2021, a lot of the remaining members of the church uh, moved to LCF or moved into TCF. And so um, this is not like a tombstone date, this 2021. Don't read it that way. It's just the church is not really active as a congregation anymore. And so uh, 2021 was kind of the last time I was really active as a congregation. There are still some people, I think, who meet for a Bible study on Sunday mornings at JCF. Um, and and they, they continue to live life together and be in each other's lives. But as a congregation, it, it doesn't really function anymore. Then in 2006, well, I should say, so Trinity Christian Fellowship was next. And, and actually, my understanding, because this was before I got here, Trinity planted somewhere around 2002 or three or somewhere in there. And, uh, and so they planted, but it was a pretty young church. And after a time, uh, TCF came back into LCF for a couple of more years. And um, then TCF planted for good in 2006. And and Chad is our pastor. Chad was ordained in nineteen ninety nine, yes. I believe. So Chad is our pastor, and Patrick is our deacon. He was ordained in twenty seventeen. Um, we are unofficially somewhere around one hundred and sixty people who call TCF their church home, and and we I try to do a census every year. Um, God has not stricken me with a plague yet for taking a census, so I assume it's okay. But we have an annual leaders retreat where we give an update on the church, and that's when I take the census. And the way that I count people in TCF is those who are in home groups. So if you're in a home group, you're counted in the census. And then we also, we also do keep in mind people who are not necessarily in home groups, but TCF is their home. So I think of Chad's parents, I think of uh, Bob and Leslie James, I think of the Coyotes, and there's some others who are, who are regulars. This is, this is where they consider their church home, but they're not in a home group right now. So when you take all those people combined, we're at about 160, and obviously that includes kids. I don't know the ratio of adults to kids, but we're about 160. And then we have ECF down here. Ben is the pastor. He was ordained in uh, 2017. And ECF planted in 2018, and ECF had a really long gestation period in LCF. So Ben uh, began serving full-time in LCF in 2015, and then he was ordained as a pastor in 2017, and then ECF planted Easter 2018. So that was about three years between when Ben began working for the church and when they planted. And they are a very young church. They don't have any elders or deacons. Um, They look to LCF uh, in a lot of ways for leadership. And ECF is around 100 members. So the church is four years old. They're around 100 members. And I think the kids outnumber the adults no. in that church. A uh, lot of kids. They, they are probably going to be a mega church just based on kids alone in about uh, 18, 20 years. And so they're a young church, but I mean, they've really, they've really been booming, they've really been growing. Okay. The census? You know, I don't know because uh, I don't know if they include that in their in their report at, at the 2020. But I do know that I, I know they were looking to plant a couple of years ago and and they've probably only grown since then. So I think they're they're at that point. So so these are so these are the, the churches. And then uh, we have outside elders as well. So we have eight ordained Leaders among the churches. We have four pastors, we have two elders, and we have two deacons. And then we have outside elders. And so um, the outside elders are men that we look to for guidance when we're not able to come to agreement as churches. Okay? And so if there's an issue that can't be resolved within TCF, if there's something we can't resolve within ourselves, then we take that typically to the ordained leadership in the other churches. And we ask for guidance, and we ask for help. Uh, but if there is an issue that can't be resolved among our churches, then we would take that to the outside elders. And this has never actually happened, but that's the outside elders are, are there for that. They're there to, to walk with us if we're in disagreement with the other churches. And they are uh, Ernie Sacra, who is uh, the pastor at Faith Covenant Church, um, Steve Humble, who has been a longtime friend of the church, he's at uh, Winchester Covenant. These became outside elders back in the 80s, back when Billy and, and LCF first started. Uh, they didn't have any elders themselves, and so they, they recruited, they asked some guys to walk with them. And, and Ernie and Steve have been there from the beginning. And then Mike Brady, who's a retired pastor, and Will Witherington, who's at Tates Creek Presbyterian Church. Those are our outside elders. Uh, We did a kind of formal uh, ordination, I guess, or something back in 2019 or 2020 at the the leaders retreat there. And we're always encouraged to get to know them. Um, At some point, it would be great to maybe at one of the joint CF meetings have, have one of them come in and preach for us. Ernie's preached for us before. Uh, maybe not at TCF, but in a joint meeting, he's preached before. Steve has come and preached at TCF before; he's very well known to us. And then, uh, then we have the city. So, kind of beyond all this, uh, we have the city itself, and and we always want to remember that that we exist within, you know, the Bluegrass area. Fayette and Jessamine County are mainly what I'm thinking of here. And so, there's a pastors' prayer group that goes on every week. Um, Chad is, is good friends with Justin Patterson, Father Justin Patterson at Athanasius Orthodox Church. Father Justin's come and spoken to our leaders before he may again. Um, we're getting to know Dr. Carl Peters here at Anchor Baptist. Um, Steve Pearson in Fontes Hill at Church of the Savior. And then, there, you know, there are pastors all around the city. And if you remember in Revelation 2 and 3, when Jesus is speaking to the churches, he says, to the church at Smyrna, to the church at Ephesus, to the church at Thyatira, and Pergamum, um, having a whole place in view. And we don't know exactly how that works out within our, our area of Fayette and Jessamine County, but we don't exist just within ourselves as CF churches. We exist in the broader context of the church in this area. Okay, any questions so far, right? kind of wrap up this part and move into another. Any questions so far? We'll take questions at the end, too. Anything that's unclear? All right. So the churches together, we have several opportunities to gather together as churches. And COVID kind of knocked that out for a time, but, but these are the, the times when we can, can unite with the other churches. So we have joint CF meetings. Uh, These aren't frequent, but we have about three a year where we get together with the other churches. And so typically we break the annual three-day fast together with the other churches. We've done this for the last couple of years where uh, we start when they do and we end when they do. And so on Saturday night this year, we are going to get together at 630 and we'll break the fast together with communion. We typically meet together at Easter and that's, so that's a joint meeting. Uh, the last couple of years, it's been on Saturday night of Easter weekend, but we get together with the other churches for Easter, and then typically once during the summer. And so uh, in August, we got together for a, for a joint CF meeting. That was when Dan Hamill came and taught. And to prioritize the opportunity to get together with the other churches, we intentionally cancel our TCF meeting on Friday. Uh, we don't do it because we think, well, people will only come to one meeting. That's not why we do it. We do it because we want to give emphasis and priority to the joint meeting, and we want to make sure that people are are gearing their time toward being at the joint meeting. And so that happens about three times a year. Those are always good times. We have joint men's meetings a couple of times a year. We had one uh, back in August. I think before that was April. So again, about three times a year, we'll get together with the men of the other churches uh, because we do it at the camp, it's somewhat seasonal. It has, to, you know, it has to be somewhat warm enough to do it. And so I don't know if we'll do another one before the spring, but um, hopefully we can. It's always a good time to get together with the men of the other churches. We have the annual hot dog extravaganza, which goes back to what year, Bob? 86, maybe. 86, okay. So um, about 35, 36 years old. Uh, so we have that. And that's kind of like the CF family reunion. That's the time when, when all the, the people who are in the churches get together if they're in town. And it's also a time for outreach. A lot of people bring folks to that event, and, and we celebrate together. Uh, there's the annual women's retreat, which is usually in April. And so it's a time where we encourage our wives to get away together for the weekend. It's, it's a great time for them for fellowship and for encouragement and for teaching and for worship. Um, They're always blessed by that. And if you are a married man, it's your responsibility to ensure that your wife can attend. There are always circumstances that, that can prevent it. But if you're a married man, it is your responsibility to do everything you possibly can to make sure that your wife can attend. We have an annual uh, leaders retreat. We, we call the 2020. The name comes from back in 2010. Billy had a vision to plant 20 churches by the year 2020. And uh, the name is just stuck. Even though we're in 2022, the name is just stuck. We still call it the 2020. But that's our annual leaders retreat. So the, the, typically it's home group leaders and assistants from all the churches get together. And again, it's a time of worship. It's a time of instruction. It's a time of vision casting for the next year. And then we have the church vacation at Kentucky Dam Village, which takes place every three years. This got resurrected in 2015. We had one in 2018, one in 2021. The next one's in 2024. And it's, it's a time when, when people from all the churches get together and go away. And we go away to Kentucky Dam Village, and we spend close to a week together. And I, so I will fully admit, when this thing first launched, I was not enthused <laughs> Uh, that is not my idea of a good time, going on vacation with about 150, 200 other people. Um, I really like it now, uh, and I really do enjoy it in a way that I didn't think I would. And so the next one's in 2024. If you've never gone, I really encourage you to start thinking now about budgeting for it, about making time for it. If you have limited vacation time, about prioritizing using that, it is a great time. Um, and so think about that. That will probably be in June 2024. And then the, the last thing I want to talk about this morning, uh, the churches together also have several ministries that require all the churches to be involved. And, and this is kind of the main thing that I want to hit this morning. And so these are on the left. and I'll just walk through these. So Ayutla Christian Fellowship. This is our, our ministry in Mexico. And this began, I think, around 1989 or 1990 when when uh, Billy met Pedro Basilio, and uh, I think this was a very visionary thing on Billy's part. Instead of just sending money to missions in different parts of the world where, you know, a couple times a year you get a letter back and a picture of people you're supporting, Billy intentionally invested in Pedro and in that church and, and has not... It's not just giving money, but it's also sending teams and it's also helping build things. There's been a relationship that's been established over 30 plus years with Pedro and with the people in Mexico and in, in Ayutla. And so some of the ways that this ministry works out is monthly support for Pedro and his family, support of widows and orphans, medical teams that go one to two times a year. And those usually rely on healthcare professionals who, who know what they're doing. I mean, um, regular folks like you and me can go, but uh, a lot of times there are specific needs that healthcare professionals can meet. Building projects and then special needs as they come up. We've raised money to uh, to get somebody back who was kidnapped before. Um, so those kind of things happen. Although thankfully, I think uh, cartel influence is waning in the Ayutla area. So that's Ayutla. Then there's a the camp. We got uh, the, the LCF and, and JCF bought the camp in... 2016, I think, was, was when it was bought. And there's, there are always ongoing needs for the camp. There's ongoing building projects, maintenance projects, always things that need to be done back in the spring. There was an email that went out about mowing. There's always mowing that's going to need to happen during the spring, summer, and fall. Um, there's always cleaning projects that need to happen for outside groups that come in, because we have outside groups that rent the camp. Um, clean up before Mars Hill camp, usually in August. And then when we've had CTS, the cabins need to be cleaned before then too. So that's just to say that there are always things that need to happen at the camp and we, and we can always help in certain ways. Mars Hill Academy is another one. Mars Hill is, it's a ministry of the churches. I think um, it, it may it, you know, it came out of LCF in the 90s. It was, it was launched in 1995 as a ministry of LCF. But it's a ministry of the churches, and many of us from across the churches tutor at Mars Hill. There there are tutors from all the churches that that are part of Mars Hill Academy, who give their time uh, to it. Um, Also, several of us from across the churches interview new students when they apply to be in Mars Hill. And so we sit down with them, and, and we try to discern if this is a good fit. Does the child really own the values of Mars Hill or do their parents just want them to be in it? And so we try to discern, we try to make sure that, that we only have students in Mars Hill who really wanna be there and really wanna give themselves to the community. And this is not just teachers in the school and this is not just parents of students in the school. So Rodney Johnson is, is one of those who helps interview. He's not gonna have a kid in Mars Hill for about a decade or so. But you know he is, he's there, he has the vision for Mars Hill he understands it as a ministry of the church, and, and he wants to help make sure that students are in there who want to be in there. Then we have the, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe Ballet. So the last one of these that we had was in 2019, and then COVID uh, interrupted for a couple of years. But the ballet is back on for the Christmas season in, uh, in 2022. I think the dates are the 21st and 22nd. Ben Hughes is the executive director for the ballet. The estimated attendance of the ballet is 12,000 plus over six years of performances. It's a lot of people. It's almost always packed out. And it's, it's a great opportunity to bring people to it. It's a great evangelism opportunity. Um, and, and there's always a lot of work that needs to get done to get the ballet ready. And so that's another way in which we can help. The Mars Hill Forum, y'all heard of that? <laughs> Mars Hill Forum is another one. And that kind of exists in tandem with the ballet. Those are are kind of uh, coordinated together. It's another avenue for evangelism that we promote. The next one's on November 5th. We're excited about our speakers who are coming in. There's always a need for volunteers. But the biggest way that you can help with the Mars Hill Forum is simply to pass the word along to people. Um, You know, we always need ushers. We always need people to help watch the food table. The biggest help is in promotion and inviting people and getting people to come. We really would like to get about 300 people to come to this next one because we're always very excited about the speakers that we have, and we just we want to share this. It's, it's free. It's open to the public. And so we want to try to get as many people to come and enjoy the experience to learn from our speakers as we can. And you can help with that by just sharing it with people that you work with, people you live next to, people that you know. Um, the very first year that we had the Mars Hill Forum was in 2017. Uh, we put out flyers. We had no idea how it was going to go, and it was at Memorial Hall. It's the only year we've had it at Memorial Hall. And then, at about 10 minutes until it started, there were maybe 50 people there. It was looking pretty meager. And then, by the time it st- by the time we actually got underway, there were there were probably about 230 people there. And it was, it was a, a great, uh, we, we rejoiced greatly that God had blessed it. God's blessed it every year. Um, I think our turnout has always been good, except for the COVID year, where we could only have 100 people attend, and we had to ticket that. Um, we want to get it up to about 300. University Christian Fellowship, UCF. Um, UCF puts on the Mars Hill Forum. You may or may not know that, but it's the student organization on campus that allows us to put on the Marcel Forum. So we get, the, we get the Worsham Cinema for free because it's a student organization that puts it on. Uh, the churches are all meeting together as one UCF on Thursday night, and Matt Schaefer and Bill Hughes and Chad are leading it. And then finally, the last thing on there is our Christian training school. We haven't had this since 2019, but it's a time where mostly young people, but not exclusively young people, set aside the summer uh, to seek God, to, retrieve, to receive training and instruction, and to walk together with other disciples in community. And it involves living full-time at the camp. And again, we haven't had this in a couple of years, but I, I you know, imagine that it will come back at some point, either this next summer or the one after that. Um, but there are ways that, as churches, we can support UCF. Um, sometimes it's been making meals, uh, coming to make meals for the group during the week, and then other things, again, cleaning the cabins before CTS starts. So again, I want to go back to Second Peter 3. Peter says, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. And, and that's what this is, stirring us up by way of reminder. This isn't new information. It might be new for some of you who haven't been around very long. But it can become easy to forget where TCF sits in relation to the other churches and in the ministries that we share. And we want, we want to be... We want to be cognizant and reminded of of how we relate to the other churches. You know, LCF was 26 years old when TCF planted for good, and so we had a lot of nurture before we went out and before we planted. And if TCF plants a church in the future, we want that plant to know itself in the context of of the wider whole, not just the, the other CF churches, but also the city. I would I would really hate for somebody to spend a couple years here in TCF and say, well, I'm in TCF. I don't really care what's going on with the other churches, you know. And, and you know, yeah, if the churches are meeting together, well, I'm, you know, I might might go, but I might go out of town. Um, I would really hate to see that because we are not an island unto ourselves. Uh, we exist in in this context in the relationship with the other churches. So, to close, I'm I'm gonna. I'm going to reread Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, hopefully driving all this home. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all.